Welcome back to another episode of Jake's Takes. My name is Jake. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode of the podcast. And on this week's episode, we are going to be looking at the NBA standings east and west and how things are going through the middle of March and how the rest of the season looks for some of these teams and what specifically is going on in the NBA. So... Nothing has changed on the front in the Eastern Conference in terms of the top seed. Miami is the top seed. Miami has uh, the best record in the East. And Miami is doing everything right. I like what Miami's done. I've said this. I'll say it again. I don't think Miami's a playoff team. I think they're a regular season team. I think they have what it takes to make it as a number one seed, but not enough to get to the NBA Eastern Conference or even the NBA Finals, um, I think that there are teams that have a better shot at getting to the Eastern Conference Finals in the NBA, and they're just not one of them. I do think they're a great regular season team, which congrats on that, but I don't really know if that's enough to get you exactly where you need to go. Um, And so, to me, they're not really the best Eastern Conference team for the playoffs, but they're definitely a good team for sure. Now we have our two seed and our three seed. Philadelphia is our two seed. Milwaukee is our three seed. They are basically around the same record. They are both two and a half games back of Miami. And Philadelphia has done so much with James Harden in such a little time that this trade is proving, in my opinion, to go more lean towards the James Harden Philadelphia getting the edge over Brooklyn. Now, I did say that it was more evened out when the season um, was going on and the trade actually happened, but now that we've seen a little bit of time pass, James Harden's been great for Philly, and he's been sort of that missing piece, and Philadelphia has great defense, and bringing in someone who's an offensive guy and sort of a clear-cut number one or number two, that's that's good, and they have a great team around them, and um, I love what they've done. Milwaukee's basically the same team, and there's not much else I can say on that. Their team has a trifecta of Giannis, Drew Holiday, and um, Chris Middleton. And as much as their team has had ups and downs throughout the season, they're still there, and they fluctuated there at the 3-2 range. They could be a 2-seed. I mean, it's not out of the possibility that either of these teams could be the number one seed going into the playoffs because of how they play. Um, all of these teams are actually 7-3 and three over their last 10 games. Miami, Philly, and Milwaukee. So they are the only teams in the Eastern Conference, along with the Celtics, who are 7-3 and three over their last um, 10 games. And actually, all uh, are at the top with that number. Um, there are no teams that have an 8-2 and two record, a 9-1 and one record, or a 10-0 no record in their last 10 games. Milwaukee's good. Philadelphia's good. Um... And both of those teams will be fighting it out for sure. Uh, to me, I think these are the top three in the Eastern Conference. Yes, there are teams that could get there. Chicago could potentially take over second or third place. Boston could get there. I think Philadelphia, Milwaukee, Miami are your, in some form or another, top three. And that'll obviously change over time. And I'm not saying playoffs. I'm just saying regular regular season. Miami, Philadelphia, Milwaukee are your top three. Playoff-wise, different story and I'd have to figure out which uh, top three in terms of playoffs uh, I'd probably go Philly Milwaukee and Boston for the top three playoff teams 
um, in my opinion. And I think being a regular season and being a playoff team are two totally different ball games entirely. And so, for me, um, this is going to be an interesting end to the season for those three at the top and how they go, because it could be anyone's ball game, and they're all great teams. Now, Chicago was our four seed, and at one point they were the one seed, and they were the two seed, and they've dropped a little bit, and they're only uh, a game ahead of the Celtics. They're only a half game difference from Milwaukee and Philly, so... In theory, they can get to be a two-seed again. And the fact that the top five teams, or I should say two, three, four, and five, are all so close that anything can happen. And they could go from being the five-seed or the four-seed to the two-seed fairly quickly, which is not that bad. I think that Chicago on the offseason is going to have to address uh, the power forward position. And I think they will have to address that issue eventually obviously right now uh, it's not something that they can deal with but um, they definitely need to address that later on but they have such a great team that all of the issues in the small issues are uh, overcomeable if that's even a word and they can get over those humps and hurdles and they're a great team now the number five team in the Eastern Conference is Boston Celtics and I've said this and I'll say it again if they had this group going into the season at the start, things could have been a lot different. And they might have been a two-seed or a one-seed instead of a five-seed. And they were at one point in time like a nine-seed. They were an eight-seed. They were hovering around the playing game and eventually made their way up. They are a solidified five-seed. And they, in my opinion, will not go lower than five-seed. They could go up, but right now they have a great team surrounding them. And I think, you know, Derek White, has given them so much on defense and as a ball handler and the sort of combinations that you can get from both Smart and Derek White give me hope that the Celtics can get it done and they don't really have a true point guard because Marcus Smart's not a true point guard neither is Derek White but I do think they have exactly what it needs to to get things done and I do think that they have as good of a team out there as anyone and I wouldn't be surprised if they make a big run in the playoffs and become a team that gets to Eastern Conference Finals. They have what it takes, and they are a good team, and there's a lot that I can say uh, about them that they've been doing uh, very well over the last uh, you know, few games. They did lose to Dallas in uh, a close one, which they could have won, but at the end of the day, they're a good team. Then we have our sixth seed, which is the Cleveland Cavaliers, and the Cavaliers are a team that has transformed themselves in so many ways, from basically a LeBron James-led team to a rebuild team to a playoff team in such a short time. And while I don't think they're a championship team at this point, and I think they're going to have trouble as a sixth seed against either Milwaukee, Philly, Miami, Chicago, but I think all the top five, there's a lot of trouble that Cleveland's going to have to face. Um, and I don't think they can win in the first round just because this is a new team with a bunch of, you know, different pieces that have kind of come together and have made themselves known. I just don't see it. I don't see this being their year. I think they got to the playoffs and that's great. And they'll see in the playoffs what they need to improve on and they'll go from there. But I don't see them really being a top tier um, squad uh, going into the playoffs, and I think they'll lose in the first round. 
Toronto is my seven seed, and they will be the seven seed going into the playoffs, and they won't win in the first round. And the Toronto Raptors have what I believe to be a big issue on their team, and that is basically involving the three, four, five spot. So Toronto has a big hole at the five spot, which is something they're going to have to address this offseason. The problem is that they have three guys basically for two spots. They have Siakam, they have Scotty Barnes, and OG Ananobi. Now, Scotty Barnes can play the three or the four depending on where they go. And the question becomes, what are they going to do to make the five spot solidified? And who will they have to get rid of to do that? Because none of the guys mentioned are going to be on the bench. OG is a starter. Siakam's a starter. Scotty Barnes, if you want him to develop into an all-star, needs to be your starting three or four. So you have to make the tough choice of moving on from OG or moving on from Siakam. Or moving on from Scotty Barnes, which I don't think they'll do. So, at the end of the day, could we see OG get traded to Indiana for Miles Turner? We could. Could we see OG or Siakam get traded for somebody like a Christian Wood who could play the center position? Potentially. Could we see, um, you know, Siakam get traded for a deal with the New York Knicks around Mitchell Robinson and other players? Potentially. I don't know, but... They have a big sort of hole at that center position that uh, Precious Achua and Karen Birch aren't really going to fill long term. They're good bench pieces, but they're not good starters. Brooklyn is the eighth seed, and Brooklyn just has too many issues. I wouldn't be surprised if they lose to Atlanta or Charlotte and lose out on a playoff spot. But if KD plays healthy and Kyrie comes back, then things are, um, you know, things could be better. I'm still surprised Kyrie has yet to. Uh, decide uh, to go out there and, um, you know, get vaccinated because he's basically hurting his team by not actually playing. And um, things are getting better for him in terms of, you know, restrictions and whatnot, but it's still tough. And uh, he's just making this a more difficult situation. And this is something that is his own problem to deal with. And maybe he's okay with just sitting, but if the Brooklyn Nets don't make the playoffs and it's because potentially Kyrie could have played and helped them. That's going to be a big issue that Brooklyn's going to have to deal with. And I don't know if they're going to want that. And I don't know if they're going to want to keep him around. And he could be a free agent in the future. And I don't know if he's going to want to, you know, leave. But they might not want him again. If he basically sits and the playoffs come and they lose in the playing game, it's going to be a tough one. And I don't know if they'll be able to come back from that um, with Kyrie there. I think he'll have to find a new place to play. Atlanta is the nine seed. Uh, Atlanta just, as I've said before, needs another sort of number two option because they don't really have a true number two option. There's a lot of great role players, but I think they need a number two. I think they need somebody who can be your second option solidified. CJ McCollum would have been great. He's in New Orleans, but if there is somebody out there, if Bradley Beal becomes available and he's that guy, if... You know, there's another option out there who becomes available, then that's great. But they're not going to be a good team, a playoff team, a championship team without a number two option, right? Because in today's NBA, the least that you need is two superstars, maybe three, and you're successful. Miami has Kyle Lowry, Bam Adebayo, and Jimmy Butler. 
Philadelphia has James Harden and Joel Embiid. Milwaukee has uh, Giannis, Chris Middleton, and Drew Holiday. The Bulls have DeMar DeRozan and Vucevic and Zach Levine um, and Lonzo Ball. Um, and I don't know if, you know, Lonzo and Vucevic are stars, but, you know, those are two great players. Celtics have Tatum and Brown, and Cleveland has uh, Jared Allen and Darius Garland. Toronto has um, Fred Van Vliet and Siakam, and they also have uh, many stars in OG and Gary Trent Jr. And then Brooklyn has um, Durant and Ben Simmons and Kyrie, even though Kyrie hasn't really played that much. Um, Atlanta doesn't have that, so if they get that, that can change their situation. And uh, then things could get much better, but at the moment, uh, they uh, could use a number two. Uh, Charlotte Hornets. Um, and for the Charlotte Hornets, um, the uh, biggest um, question mark moving forward, sort of like Toronto, is how are they going to fill that center position? Now, I feel like what they have could get there with... Um, the draft picks that they brought in uh, last year, um, and um, I don't know if um, any of their rookies could get to that point to be a solid starter at the center position, but I think they're too young. I don't think they're, you know, a playoff team just this moment. I think they have uh, so many um, uh, issues internally, and I also just think because they have um, a lot of guys who haven't really played well together or just haven't played enough time together. I don't think they're going to be uh, a playoff team at this point. Uh, and they'll be just looking on the outside, um, uh, looking in. So, uh, unfortunately, um, I don't think they will uh, get there. Um, and, um, yes, uh, I think uh, this is not their year. It could be next year. We will uh, wait and see. So, moving on to... The Washington Wizards. Now, the Wizards uh, are a team that have a lot riding on this season because they need to give Bradley Beal a reason to want to stay. Bradley Beal probably won't stay if there's no future. If Washington can prove to him that they have a plan in place and there's a future, then he'd stick around. But I don't know if they have that, and I think they're scrambling a little bit. Porzingis, does that really help? Potentially, but... They didn't give up a ton in terms of Dinwiddle and Bertans. That makes me um, say that it's completely, you know, a wash um, in terms of Bradley Beal sticking around. But I do think they need to really prove themselves going into this offseason in order for Bradley Beal to want to stay long term. I think he'll just opt in, play another season here, see where things go, see if they have a plan. If it doesn't work out and they don't do anything on the offseason, maybe at the deadline he'll want to move on, and maybe Washington will move on from him at the deadline. But right now, Washington has to really be kind of worried because if they lose Bradley Beal, they're screwed. They're, like, done. And they're going to be not an 11 seed. They'll be, like, a 12, 13, 14, even, like, a 15 seed, potentially. Um, so Washington really needs to make sure they get this right because if they don't, they're screwed. Moving on to the New York Knicks. Now, the New York Knicks just haven't figured out what their plan is. They have Obi Toppin, who's kind of getting hidden behind Julius Randle. Randle could get traded. Mitchell Robinson's a decent center, but by no means is he a great center. Um, I will say that, um, you know, at the end of the day, they're not going to be a playoff team. But 
They are one of those franchises over the last five years that just haven't been able to get the right free agents and get the big free agents. There was Kyrie and Kevin Durant, which they didn't want to go to New York, and they went to Brooklyn instead. Uh, I don't think that the New York Knicks have a great franchise. James Dolan hasn't been a great owner, and they just make mistake after mistake after mistake. And the New York Knicks have arguably the most popular arena, with Madison Square Garden being so huge. It's sad to see the New York Knicks just fail time and time again. And even when they had Chauncey Billups and Amari Stoudemire and Carmelo, they were a playoff team, but they weren't a great playoff team. New York Knicks, they're just not good. And a lot of their draft picks have failed, and they just haven't really banked on the right stuff. So I don't know where they'll go. I don't know what they'll do. But I do know that the New York Knicks could be a lot better if they get the right pieces. They just can't get the right pieces. Indiana Pacers are basically in what I call phase one of their rebuilds, which was getting rid of Sabonis. They got rid of Karius Levert, uh, Holiday. Phase two is the offseason, where they get rid of Malcolm Brogdon. TJ Warren's gone. They get rid of potentially Miles Turner. Um, TJ McConnell could get moved. So phase two is basically getting rid of all the holdovers from this trade deadline and potentially moving on from Buddy Heald and getting rid of other cap space. Um, and I think for the Indiana Pacers, getting Tyrese Halliburton's been great, and they have enough draft picks to make things work. Uh, they could get the number one overall pick, and they could get someone who is a very nice pairing alongside Miles Turner. They could get one of the big power forwards available, Chet Holgram or Paulo Bonchero. Who knows what they'll do? I just don't know if, um, you know... They uh, will get a number one overall pick. Uh, I think right now they're slated at four, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so we'll see what happens with Indiana, if they can get it done um, in the offseason and keep this rebuild going, because so far it looks pretty good. It just started, but it looks pretty good. Orlando and Detroit are our two worst teams in the Eastern Conference. Detroit seems like they got a stud in Kate Cunningham, Orlando seems like they got a good player in Wagner. Who knows what's going to happen with those guys? Who knows what's going to happen with these teams? I think Jeremy Grant's probably going to get traded because Detroit just, I don't see why they'd hold on to him. Uh, Orlando has uh, Cole Anthony, and they have Fultz, and they have uh, Suggs, um, and they have Terrence Ross. Terrence Ross will probably get traded. So Detroit's in a good spot because they got draft picks, and they can make some moves, and get some players in there. Orlando's in a good spot, too. They got draft picks, and they can make stuff happen. So both of these teams are good uh, rebuilding-wise. Uh, they got enough pieces so far. Obviously, it's not OKC, so they don't have a ton of draft picks. But, you know, if they get some you know nice pieces and some top-tier players in this draft, they could be pretty good uh, for their future and kind of setting them up to kind of make a good rebuild. Because there are some teams that rebuilds don't really work out, and... I don't think Detroit or Orlando wants to go down a road rebuilding, and it just doesn't pan out. So, so far it hasn't been too bad, but we'll have to wait and see where they go from here. Western Conference, we got the best team in the Western Conference, the Phoenix Suns, who have a significant lead over the uh, opposition. They are coming into this thing as the best team in basketball. They have a very good record. They have a very good team. They have a very good core. Phoenix looks like a championship team. And Phoenix looks like a team that can win it all. And I wouldn't be surprised if they blow through the competition. They are as good of a team as you can get. Have been doing it great. And they are 
amazing. Seriously, they are good for sure. Memphis and Golden State are the two and the three. Memphis is a half game up on Golden State. So there is a dogfight between these two for the number two seed and the number three seed. Now, I personally don't think it makes any difference in terms of uh, who you would be facing because they'd be facing each other in the second round, right? Two or three seed, the only difference is home field. So Memphis probably would love to get the two seed to get home field because I think that would benefit them a lot more than if they were on the road. Golden State has experience with Stephen Clay and Draymond, so being on the road, being at home doesn't make a difference. I do love what Memphis has done, and I think John Morant is a star at the point guard. So I am a very big fan of um, John Morant and his talent and his skill set and everything about John Morant. I will say that um, in terms of Golden State, Andrew Wiggins has been great for them, and Kaminga looks like he could be a stud. Uh, being an all-star for Andrew Wiggins was a big step in his career because a lot of people thought he was kind of overrated, but now he's kind of proven them wrong in a sense. Golden State's good. Memphis is good. Two and three seeds. We'll see what happens. Utah Jazz are the four seed. Utah is a half game difference from the five seed Dallas. And in either of these cases, I don't think it makes too much of a difference. Four and five seed. It's home field advantage again. Dallas could get there. They're on an eight and two uh, win loss over the last 10 games. Utah is six and four in their last 10 games. Um, they look good. Utah and Dallas. Um, Either of these teams probably won't win a championship. I think a championship could come out of Golden State, Memphis, or Phoenix. I just don't see Utah or Dallas getting it done. I think Dallas has some flaws, as does Utah. Um, Utah, I don't think the Mitchell-Gobert pairing is going to work long-term. Dallas has just Luka, and I don't think um, a lot of their players are going to work long-term. I do like Jalen Brunson, though. Uh, but outside of Brunson, there's a lot of issues in Dallas. These two teams will be the 4-5 and five in some order, and they will have to fight it out. So that'll be a good series, the 4 versus the 5. I also think Memphis-Golden State in the second round could be a great series also. Sixth seed is the Denver Nuggets, and I don't think they have it this year. I think, you know, they will be playing against either Golden State or Memphis, and I don't think either of those teams will have any issues with the Denver Nuggets. I think they're a playoff team but just not a top-tier playoff team. I think they'll lose in the first round. Um, they're not as good. Minnesota is, at this point in time, 8-2 and two, uh, in their last 10 games. They are the 7th seed. They'll probably make the playoffs as a 7th seed. They are the only team that I can say in the playing games that is solid, I think, Every other team in the playing game situation could make it. And I think they have pros and cons for each. Um, the Clippers are the 8th seed right now, but I don't know if they have the healthy players to get it done. I think the Lakers just are too old. New Orleans, I think, is good, and they could be the other playing team. But I just think, you know, they kind of got hot late, and I think they started the season not as good as they should have. And they added in CJ McCollum and some other pieces, which helped them but I just don't think, uh, you know, I just don't think uh, they have enough time uh, to be uh, the 7 or the 8. But I do think they could win a playing game or two and get into the playoffs as the 9 or 10 seed. Probably more towards the 10 seed. Portland is in the same boat as Washington because they both are 11 seeds. They both have a player who could just leave. Damian Lillard could leave Portland like Bradley Beal could leave. Um... The Wizards, obviously, Damian Lillard's locked up more long-term, 
with his contract, but he could ask for a trade if he really wanted to. Portland basically made a lot of moves to get rid of cap space uh, long term so they can have open cap space for Damian Lillard to basically pick and choose who he wants to get on his team. I don't know if uh, at the end of the day that'll help them or hurt them, but maybe Damian Lillard doesn't want to stay there and maybe they just made these moves for, for nothing. And so we'll see what the offseason brings. If Portland can't get it right, I see Damian Lillard leaving by uh, next uh, offseason. So uh, we will uh, see what uh, happens with Portland and with Damian Lillard. So we will be moving on to the San Antonio Spurs who are a team that has a bunch of young guys that need to kind of develop. I think they have a team that needs to develop and get better. I do think Greg Popovich is a coach that's probably not going to be there next year because I think his window of success is over in San Antonio. I don't know if he wants to be there for the rebuild. He did that once and it worked, but I don't know if he'll want to do it again. Um, they need a new head coach then who is a better head coach than... Um, with this team and someone who's a rebuilt head coach who can be there throughout the process and maybe a first-time head coach with NBA experience um, and we'll see where San Antonio goes from here but they're not a playoff team they're going to be a rebuild team and they're doing okay so far um, DeJounte Murray is their best player I don't know if they have a true star yet but they'll get there hopefully Sacramento Kings traded for Sabonis they are a team that has had little to no success since Chris Webber and Mike Bibby. They are a team that has made mistake after mistake, and part of me believes that they did uh, make a mistake in trading Halliburton. Part of me believes that Sabonis and De'Aaron Fox will be a better pairing next year. Um, I don't know what Sacramento is going to do. I don't know if they will get better or worse. I feel like the rest of the Western Conference gets better and they stay where they are and it doesn't always pan out for them. They don't look like a great team overall and I don't think they'll be a great team overall. So unfortunately, Sacramento is just a team that has uh, failed uh, miserably so many years. Maybe this is the change with Sabonis, but I don't know. We'll have to wait and see what happens. Uh, so uh, yeah, you know, we'll see. Let's uh, move on. So we have Oklahoma City and the Houston Rockets who are at the bottom of the Western Conference. Oklahoma City has a ton of draft picks, as many draft picks as um, most NBA teams. Uh, and they probably have more draft picks than like four or five teams put together. And so they're, you know, really going to have to make some tough choices and potentially in the future get rid of those draft picks for actual players, which is not a bad thing. Um, they have enough draft picks to trade four or five away and still have enough later on. So they could move up to the number one overall pick if they don't get it and trade a few picks to a team because they got so many. If they like what they see at number one, they could stay where they are. So um, OKC has a lot of picks to work with. Obviously, they're rebuilding. I like Shigelius Alexander and Josh Gidley. I do like uh, Houston's Jalen Green. I think they have a bright future with him. I think they need a point guard. And this year they could go for a point guard. Um, I do like uh, the guy Ivy from uh, Purdue. He could be a good uh, point guard addition. Um, they also could go for one of the top tier power forwards. Uh, they got a lot they can do with their pick if it's number one, two, or three. 